everyone. Welcome to episode 82 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I am Daniel. And today we are talking about the film Labyrinth in our continued coverage of the Muppet franchise, which Jim Henson was involved with. And so today we're talking about the Jim, Han- uh, the Jim Henson film Labyrinth from 1986. So Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb synopsis? Sure. 16-year-old Sarah is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth and rescue her baby brother Toby when her wish for him to be taken away is granted by the Goblin King, Jareth. Thomas, I've seen this movie before. Uh, I kind of grew up with this movie, but this is your first time watching, correct? Yes. So uh, what did you think of Labyrinth? I loved it. Like I had a sort of eventful, sort of frustrating weekend, and so watching this was literally like getting whisked away to a fantasy world where I really had no idea what was possible or what was capable within this world, and so I'm kind of with, uh, I think the character's name is Sam, uh, I'm sort of with her and sort of in, uh, this journey, sorry, Sarah, I'm sort of on her side with this guy like, going into this insane fantasy like once the like little creatures and goblins are showing up it's just like this magical feeling of it's like wow like it's like it has that muppets vibe but it's like it's darker and it's like everything i was sort of imagining and hoping that it would be and yeah i think this movie holds up it's definitely like relies heavily on like the practical effects there are some scenes where it's a little shaky uh, some of the music i think is, is a, a little shaky too where it's like not that great i don't think they're uh, all bops across the board like with the Muppet movie but yeah. I think it helps that it's David Bowie and it's like it's it's cool because he's he's doing something really particular and it's just kind of alluring to watch in like a weird way but yeah it, it's it's like a fucking awesome movie and like I like wish I saw this as a kid I would have loved it and there's so many great little like set pieces in this movie that it's just hard not to love and yeah it's, it's great it's a good time and I had a, a fantastic time watching this <laughs> Um, yeah, like I said, I grew up on this movie. It was a movie my sister really loved. And I feel like as a kid, it just kind of, it was a little scary to me or like a little weird. Like, I wasn't totally in love with it. And I think I just found it kind of, just kind of strange and off-putting. I remember the opening credits where we have this animated owl flying around. Something about that owl really (laughs) creeped me out and stuck with me. Uh, and then of course there's like a ballroom scene, like a mass ball, uh, later in the movie, which that has always stuck with me as the creepiest part of this, um, seeing people, (laughs) uh, and I don't know, maybe something about the mask, like strikes me as like fetishistic, uh, in a way that's kind of, um, menacing, but, uh, true. Yeah, I think I was reading about this on the Wikipedia. They said that the this uh, script went through a lot of changes, and apparently at one stage, um, that particular scene was a lot more sexual and a lot more menacing. And so mm. I think they toned it down towards it's kind of yeah. you get the point. It's it's a movie about sort of puberty and sort of going sorry, puberty and going into this new phase. And so I think having it just be a song and having it just be sort of like this, like little dance that they sort of do i yeah. think that's i think that's the best way to sort of approach this this concept and that was one question i wanted to ask you is like you saw it as a kid how do, uh, does that concept sort of how do you think that's aged do you think that's aged well um like as a as like a coming of age movie or um well um do you, or like, just like I think you sort of mentioned... itself like how is it aged Uh, Do you think, um, it's like the coming of age stuff, do you think that has sort of aged well with how we have sort of Sarah dealing with, like, losing the baby and then, like, sort of going into this world and, like, 
she's figuring stuff out on her own, but then also there's this, clearly there's this romantic sort of dynamic between her and Jareth where yeah. he's like, I want you to love me and I want you to like be here forever. And it's kind of like, she's like, no, that's like not, not what I'm into. So I just I want think, what you know. Yeah, I think even as a kid, that strike me as kind <coughs> of uncomfortable because David Bowie is so much older than she is. Yeah, yeah. Like I was never like taken by the you know, fantasy element of it that like, oh, he's this fantasy character. So uh, maybe that makes it better. But like, yeah, it was always kind of strange to me that there's this like sort of, uh, I don't know, sexual tension or like that dynamic between Jareth and Sarah. Um, but yeah, like watching the, as, as, treating this as a coming of age movie, I, I'm not totally sure like how, if it works very well as a coming of age movie, because it's like, Initially, so at the beginning of the movie, she has this very exaggerated perception of how she's living. Uh, it's very fairy tale like she she yeah. refers to her stepmother as like an evil stepmother and she's an actress and so she's she's going big and she talks about how she's like practically a slave and all this stuff <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's very exaggerated she's like why do i have to babysit and it's just yeah. like, so dramatic it's like you're 16 away from this place like <laughs> it's like, it's, like you're like relaxed <laughs> uh and so she goes into the, like as soon as the baby gets taken away she's like oh fuck like <laughs> i didn't really mean that and like she goes into this world where she has to learn that life isn't fair however the weird part of this is like like she learns the lesson that life isn't fair and then so she just steals from like hoggle and like <laughs> she like imposes like cruelty upon like these other characters because life's not fair she learns how to um, fight dirty <laughs> it's kind of a perverse lesson to learn uh and then at the end, I don't think we have to spoiler alert this movie, but like, yeah. um, you know, she comes back to the real world, comes back to reality, and she sees her friends in the mirror, and then she jumps on the bed, and they're all celebrating together. Like, she says, like, there are moments in my life where I need, I need you. Um, yeah, yeah. And so is it that she needs to sort of go into this other space into this imaginative space where she can like learn these lessons or like what what why do you why do you think she needs them yeah it does sort of feel like a, a crush a little bit where it's like it's supposed to be like oh yeah like if i want to rely on these new friends and like the things that they, they sort of taught me i can go back into this world but it seems like no like i'm gonna bring all of them with me and sort of keep them locked in the room not not like locked in the room but like they're sort of in this safe space of the bedroom which like i don't know it, it feels like like it, it is a similar ending to um the muppet movie where it's like, oh yeah it's gonna sort of have like this big group shot with, yeah. like yeah every all the muppets sort of like going crazy and having fun having a good time which is really fun i thought that was a great way to end it on instead of her just sort of being going back to the real world which could have been yeah. a better character choice but i think for just ending on a lighthearted note. I think it works. Yeah, I'm glad she gets to hang out with all her friends, but, like, this time around, I was like, what does this mean for her character? Like, True. Yeah. why does she... Those moments in her life where she feels like she needs these characters, uh, what are those moments, and, like, what is she getting out of this experience? Because she's not just celebrating with her friends. She's celebrating with the guys who, like, wanted to pull her head off. <laughs> she's celebrating with, like, the Goblin King's little cronies. It's everybody. Um, so it's like even the villains are kind of part of this space that she needs. Um, I don't know. I find that interesting, and I'm not totally sure if that is like holding back the idea that this is a coming of age story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie. I feel like it's something I've always kind of like. I have a lot of affection for it. I think like 
the creatures and the characters are great. Um, yeah. It's, you know, absolutely a cult movie. So this time around, I was I was just, like, imagining, like, people, like, hooting and hollering when Hoggle shows up, like it's an <laughs> MCU movie. Um, but yeah. uh, there's, Do you have like, a favorite? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, do I have a favorite character? Is that what you're going to say? Uh, I was going to ask if you had a favorite, like, set piece, basically. Um, but if you have something to say about the characters, I think that'd be more appropriate. Because there's uh, so many. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to... <laughs> Well, like, I think it's, is it Didymus? Yeah, that... Sir Didymus. <laughs> yeah. Um, as soon as he shows up, it's, uh, well, hold on, let me, let me double check that I'm talking about the right, yeah, yeah, Didymus. As soon as he shows up, it's like, the movie takes on, like, an energy that I felt like it was kind of lacking, because yeah, the movie feels a little slow to me. Um, I feel like it's easy for me to... I feel like I like this movie a lot as a memory, but, like, when I'm watching it, sometimes I get a little bored, and I don't know if it's just, like, the pasting of an older movie. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, like, Sir Didymus, he's, like, a lively character. He's got this dog, Ambrosius, which yes. is really cool. <laughs> uh, Rides he, him on, ho- on dog back. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, a genuinely funny character. Um, but But, yeah, like, thinking about, like, the pacing and sort of like a problem a point of conflict that i have with the movie is is you know it's easy for me to kind of like lose interests or like wander away from it um but I, but i was reading reviews and i saw this line from ebert where he's talking about it he gave it two stars yeah he said without a strong plot line to pull us through all movies like this run the danger of becoming just a series of incidents so it's like this this movie has a plot line she's trying to save her brother from the goblin king uh, but it reminded me a lot of Spirited Away, where it's like Spirited Away, she's trying to save, save her parents who have been turned into pigs. They're both in this fantasy world where, like, I don't necessarily question why, you know, why there's so many frog people in Spirited Away or, like, why the witch can turn into a bird. I'm not yeah, yeah. questioning a lot of the stuff that is happening in this movie. I'm just kind of going with the flow. However, I feel like uh, with spirited away i am getting more of a sense that like the character is growing and like overcoming like challenges in a way that like exhibit personal growth like emotional growth um coming of age growth yes <laughs> whereas yeah. here in the labyrinth i i don't always feel that she's like solving puzzles and it's like you know the door the the door knocker puzzle uh or like the the lying door men one yeah, lies, yeah. one tells the truth. It's like, that's an interesting puzzle, but it's like, what is this telling me about this character? Is this character growing? It almost feels like some of these scenes are kind of interchangeable. Like, you can rearrange where they sit in the movie. It doesn't necessarily feel like an upwards progression. Um, yeah. I would say the one thing I do feel like is an upward progression is something that feels really uh, satisfying <clears throat> is when she comes upon the, the scene where it's the the goblins are like torturing Ludo who's like hanging mm-hmm. upside down and she's like watching this happen and Ludo starts to scream and then like these bo- little small boulders kind of roll in and then she uses those to, to throw them at the, the goblins and they sort of whack each other on the heads and spin around and it's it's great. It's, it's, it's a fantastic scene. And then later on in the movie when they're crossing the bog of unbearable stench or is that what it's what's uh, it called the bog of eternal stench the bog of eternal stench yeah you step into it and you'll stink forever terrible um but and then they have this whole thing where he calls upon the rocks to lift them up and cross over and then finally he uses that to sort of beat all of the goblins at the end so i thought that yeah. was a nice progression of like okay like ludo's getting great character development <laughs> like we can sort of yeah. see he's learning how to use his powers and he's he's getting more rocks courageous <laughs> Yeah, he's he's developing a lot more, but yeah, as far as Sarah, I was like, yeah, she's 
trying to like figure out the puzzles and everything, but it doesn't seem like it's yeah, it doesn't have that, that same feel. Yeah, it feels like it really does feel like her one of her biggest breakthroughs is learning that the that things aren't fair, and then she steals Hoggle's money. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like I don't know if this is a great <laughs> lesson. <clears throat> Love it, but yeah, I was gonna ask what he had. Like, is there a set piece in this movie that sticks out to you, or something that's like your favorite? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like favorite set pieces. Uh, I mean, dance magic, dance magic, dance. That's like that is like the movie to me. Um, whenever I think of Labyrinth, I'm thinking of that song, and I'm thinking of David Bowie tossing the baby up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just this madness of him, uh, Toby, and just surrounded by all of the goblins, and they're just like, just, it's just full of force, and yeah, it's just ridiculous. I think I heard um, that there was like 40 puppets or something like that in that scene. Oh, wow. That's uh, great. But what about you? Um, I'm a really big fan. I like the, like the wall she falls down, and then like the, all the hands yeah, start I making that, faces. Yeah. I thought that was really brilliant, and then, um she's like it's further down it's like after the obelette or something they're going through this area or it might be later in the film but there's like all these pillars in the in like this little underground hallway and all the pillars are just giant faces uh-huh. i thought that was was dope because like yeah it's like when you get to the last one the guys it's like i usually don't get to say this <laughs> it's just yeah. like all right you get to say the line and I, that like that muppet humor comes in i thought that was really funny but then also the fucking night inside of the the castle gates, like the gates closed and the night walked out. I was like, this is some Elden Ring shit. Like, yeah. the, like the gates closed and the, the eyes open up. And I was like, that's just a really creative way to sort of just introduce this like little obstacle. And I really like in the tunnel when that like sort of like knife machine thing is like coming towards them. And then when it the passes, you just see the two goblins <laughs> like driving it. I think being able to see the two goblins driving it is like a really great like detail. Yeah, I love that scene a lot. That yeah, the, the cleaner is like chasing them down. It's just like this medieval just death device, and then yeah, there's little guys on these little bicycles, just like catch and remind them we're in a Jim Henson movie. <laughs> it's just like all super silly. Like I love in the like big climactic fight at the end. Like there's a cannonball, and the cannon is a goblin, and like the goblin has like you know he's yeah. running around. Like there's everything has like personality, and it's just it's just fantastic. Yeah, there's I even really like do. little details like during the ending like little fur balls crawling up and down the sides of buildings and stuff that are little puppets and it's like they don't need all this all this like texture but it's it's great that they have it Um, yeah makes everything feel a little more alive yeah there is a part that i don't think has aged quite as well as the uh the the fire fire guys that little that like fully cg scene that that scene's like really stuck fire guys like the um what are they called? In uh, here, they're just, uh, listed as fiery one, two, three, four, and five. But um, uh, they're like the red, the red puppets. They like take their heads off. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Down- <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're still puppets, but yeah, yeah but it's, it's, they're using green screen shit. Yeah, um, and that's the only part where I'm just like, this does not look good. And I remember, I thought I remember that scene being cut, but I think what happened is it's a trimmed down scene like originally maybe they had like a second song in the movie or that scene was like way longer but i i vaguely recall watching like some special feature about that scene and how they had to cut it back um Mm. but yeah i don't think that scene has aged that well either and it (laughs) it feels like a pretty unnecessary diversion like that's one of those things where it's like you could cut this (laughs) like you could probably cut this movie out and, and nothing really will be lost it's not the best song um yeah and like i say i, I want to go back to the the bog of eternal stench like when that scene unfolds like we're getting like 
character development, a new character is introduced that's just like a really great comic relief. But the way that it sort of physically unfolds, it feels like like a, a video game. It reminded me of like Legend of Zelda. So it's like being able to like, okay, we have we have to cross this bridge, but first we have to sort of talk to this one person, but then, oh, the bridge breaks, and then we have to sort of yeah. ha- uh, solve it in another way. I just like the way that it progresses really well. And So yeah, when they're like doing this uh, song where they're just, like just taking their heads off and just dancing around, it's like, okay, like, I smoked a lot of weed, but even this is sort of boring. Yeah, <laughs> it's like... yeah it just, it feels like diversion. She's not learning anything in that scene. Um, like, at least with, like, meeting, you know, Didymus, it's, we get the interaction between him and uh, Ludo, right? Is it Ludo? Yeah. Yeah. Um, crossing the bridge, Ludo gets to use his powers, like, friendship is being developed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one other part I want to mention that I thought was really interesting is when she like uh, later on towards the end of the movie she like falls into it's like right after the masquerade ball actually so when she sort of shatters that illusion she falls into like this junkyard pit mm-hmm. and they have all these like characters that are basically walking around with just like tons of stuff on their back yeah, the and then yeah the hoarder and they lead uh, Sarah into like a replica of her bedroom and then she goes into the bedroom and she starts admiring all of her physical things and then like one of the little hoarder goblins starts like slowly putting stuff on her back yeah. and I just thought that I just thought that that was really interesting because none of it doesn't really get explained verbally you just sort of see visually that like she is in a place where if she stays here physically they're going to like assimilate her like they're quite literally they're just going to turn her into one of these goblins and I, I thought that, that was really yeah. cool yeah um did you notice all of the like all of like the foreshadowing in her bedroom i i guess like when you get to it at the end you can catch a lot of it but yeah the she, the specifically like the mc escher yeah she has painting. Escher painting on the wall she has like something next to her mirror that looks like a figure of the goblin king gotcha um i know there's a bunch of other stuff i know like her dog at the beginning looks like yeah, ambrosius yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. On, a, on a rewatch, that stuff is pretty fun to notice. Now, I will say I was expecting a little bit more of a Wizard of Oz sort of turn with that applied. Like, oh, we find out that Ludo is an allegory for this person or mm-hmm. like, but we don't really get that. I think, uh, I don't know if that hurts or helps it, but I think that's an interesting choice because in the beginning we were panning through and we see that the Wizard of Oz is one of the like books yeah. on Sarah's shelf. And it's kind of like clearly... Mm-hmm. I think where the wild implied. things are might be there too. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's implied that that's sort of like, sort of that source material in a way where it's like this is just this the kind of stories that this character is into, and also that the creators are into. And yeah, I just think that they have they could have had room for that, and I think it is set up in a sort of with like the dog, but yeah, like yeah, I don't know. It's just really interesting that they could have gone a little bit further and be like, oh yeah, like this person is literally my mom or this person's literally my dad, but they don't quite go that explicit. Yeah, it's with like, that what is, what does the goblin King represent really for her? Uh, yeah. within her life. Um, shapeshifter. Cause like her, one of the first things her mom says is like, you should be going on date. You're old enough to be going on dates. Like I'd be thrilled if you went on a date. So I wonder <laughs> if that ties into it at all. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So yeah, I, when I heard that, I was like, how old is she supposed to be? Like, apparently she's yeah. 14. 14, old enough to go on dates? I think she's 16. Oh, 16. Okay, yeah. I don't know why I yeah. thought 14. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Any other parting thoughts about... Oh, did you hear anything about the alternate casting of, like, who made it, who may have been playing, who may have played Jareth? 
yeah, the production of this is pretty wild, but yeah, like Michael Jackson, <laughs> like uh, that's one of them. Yeah, Prince, Mick Jagger, <laughs> Sting, and it's like. I think Mick Jagger, I could see. Michael Jackson, I don't want to see. Because, yeah. like, the idea of him stealing a baby. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have, man, that would have been quite the film. <laughs> um, Sting, I feel like, seems kind of boring to me. He was in the original uh, Dune, though, so I guess he had some some acting that he had been doing. Uh, Prince is an interesting one. I think yeah. if, yeah, if you're not going Bowie, going Prince could be a pretty fun soundtrack <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm not sure as far as like their chemistry how that would have been like cause i think with bowie and Sir, uh jennifer connelly i think there is like there's not a lot there but there's like enough for it to be like okay like you can sort of see this sort of connection being plausible but like i don't know with other with the other uh possible choices it didn't seem like i don't know it seemed a little more distant I mostly I want to know what the costume test for Prince would have looked like. Yeah, same with um like with Sarah like they're thinking about like it was possibly between like Helena Bonham Carter audition and Interesting. Jane, Jane Krakowski, Sarah Jessica Parker, Marissa Tomei. I'm glad it was Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly Laura like Dern. <laughs> Laura Dern. Oh, that would have been cool. Um, make his Jurassic Park. <laughs> one year before this, Jennifer Connelly was in the Dario Argento movie Phenomena. Which it's very strange to like see young Jennifer Connelly and like Phenomena and then this because they're very different movies. Um, yeah, we gotta watch Phenomena sometime. It's a yeah. Trip. I was talking to Max. I was talking to Max about Argento last night. He was just listing some things I should check out. So like, uh, like Phenomena has a, a scene in it that is like one of the scariest scenes I've seen in a movie. <laughs> Um, okay. It's it's very well done. Uh, the, the movie itself is. I I remember hearing it was a cult classic, and then going to go see it at a theater, and I had this interesting experience of for the first half of the movie. This kind of happened to me with Malignant. <laughs> the first half of the movie, I was like, "This kind of this kind of sucks. Like this is a little <laughs> cheesy. Like why is this a cult classic?" And then it crescendos into. A fucking nightmare <laughs> like <in Crescendo's, laughs> like he go he like uh he really dives deep into horror uh at, at a certain point and then it's just like oh all of that all of that stuff that i was like not into at the beginning just like took my guard down <laughs> for, yeah. for 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 this experience and it, it really worked on me but uh, that's perfect yeah but anyway any other thoughts on labyrinth um that's about it um as uh, the screenplay is by Terry Jones of uh, Monty Python oh, fame. I, I think that's interesting, that. worth mentioning. Interesting. Yeah, I think that helps sort of uh, paint the like medieval weird aspect of it. It's like, oh yeah, it's kind of has that wacky Monty Python vibe. Interesting. Right. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Um. So yeah, a few nights ago, Monday night was a Better Call Saul premiere. It was I was really excited about. Um, but yeah, the way that they did it was really interesting. They took two episodes, cut them together as one, and played them just played it straight through. So it ended up being two and a two and a half hour long wow. premiere, which like was so fucking exhausted. Yeah. It was it was gorgeous, really great. But yeah, just like a really interesting choice because I thought they were gonna cut it, but they just edited it as one long episode. So it kind of just like bled into each other. Yeah. It was it was it was gorgeous though. Really happy that it's back. <coughs> Excuse me. That's what they did with Twin Peaks The Return, too. Nice. 
But yeah, um, and then I want to mention uh, Coachella this past weekend and then this weekend. And I've never been, but I think it's really cool that they do the stream now. So mm-hmm. you can sort of just tap in, go on YouTube, and there's different stages and everything. So I got to catch a little bit of Danny Elfman's set, cool. which is crazy. He was up there doing Oingo Boingo stuff towards the end, which yeah. was really rad. Um, Arcade Fire put on a good show. Uh, Megan The Stallion was dope. But yeah, there's like a bunch of like sound issues, which I always think mm-hmm. is like weird for like, if you like it. Obviously, it's like, okay, like, when you have a festival that big, things are obviously bound to go, go wrong, but I feel like sound should be, like, number one on the <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, it's a fucking it's like, music. <laughs> yeah, it's like, when you, yeah, like, Arcade Fire is playing, and then the lead singer, Regine, goes up, and, like, for, like, half of her verse, like, the microphone is out, or, like, yeah. this dude, uh, Flume, this DJ, he's up there, and he, like, picks up his mic to, like, say some shit to get the people hype, and, like, his microphone's dead, and it's just, like, this, like, this is Coachella, you're supposed to be, the, like, the biggest music festival on, yeah. in the world, and, like, you got, like, dead mics and shit. Like, it's just, it, I don't know. Like, I feel like with shows like that, I haven't really been to many of them. I think I've only been to, like, one or two, like, actual festivals. I mean, the Hyro Day and um, uh, BFD back in the day when they did uh, BFD down in Mountain View with uh, Live 105, RIP. Okay. Um, but, yeah, uh, like, that was the only times I've been to a festival. Like, And so I think they work well when they're, like, on a little bit on the smaller scale. But, like, when they get this massive, I think it's just tricky and it's tough to sort of put on a show and, like, not have the sound go out when, when your artist is performing. I, don't know, I think that's, like, a really easy fix, but yeah. it seems to be an issue. So I'm all for the small venue show. So hopefully we can get past this COVID shit and get back into the small venue stuff. Yeah. What do you think of... Um, maybe this isn't the show for it but like they've removed mask requirements on planes hmm yeah that's that's weird i think that's that's gonna be tricky yeah i feel like (laughs) that's not the smartest thing to do i think like it's their planes (laughs) like they're traveling usually to large cities it's like wouldn't you want to contain that shit (laughs) like didn't did people not see contagion yeah, we're just, like, super eager, and I think, yeah, it ties into, the, like, the live music thing, and, like, people just really are just, like, anxious to get yeah. back to that form of normalcy, and it's, it's, for a lot of people, it's basically, like, I want to be able to, I, I don't care, work for home or whatever, but I just want to be able to go to a concert or go yeah. to a show, like, and a lot of their favorite musicians are very eager to perform in front of these people because, you know, livelihood, and also it's just, it's dope performing in front of people, it's a lot of fun, and so, like... People just want that normalcy and are just going to sacrifice health and concern to get there. And it's it's a bummer, but I don't know. It's, it feels it's wild like it's and just, wacky stuff. It's just like, this is the shit that's going to lead to another lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> like, just wear a mask. It's not hard. Yeah. Um, anything, yeah. anything? What have you been watching this week? Uh, I finished the first season of Barry. Um, <coughs> I decided, I know season three, I think, either just started or is about to start. Uh, yeah, so I, I think just, it starts this Sunday. Okay, so I decided I decided to pick that show up because the episodes are only a half hour, and you know me, I love a good show with half hour episodes. Um, Hell yeah, something I can burn through, and uh, and it keeps it light enough that you know, you know it's not a it's not a big deal. Did you did you watch Barry at all? Yeah, I I, I have watched Barry, and I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I love like Henry Winkler's relationship with the uh, detective. I love, uh, uh, I don't know. It just, yeah. Steve, yeah, Stephen Root. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, as like his like really shady shady like person that gives him all the jobs anthony kerrigan <laughs> as noho hank and how like this very nice like upbeat criminal <laughs> um is like <laughs> yeah. a pretty fun dynamic um but yeah and just like the idea of just like hitman trying to get out of it who is a terrible actor <laughs> and yeah. wants to be an actor i don't know it, it's it, it works it's a very good show um, yeah barry's barry's a lot of fun and yeah i'm looking forward to it coming back this sunday and then uh, i watched i don't know if i talked about it last week but have you seen the show old enough on netflix no okay so old enough it is this japanese reality show um netflix just has an assortment of issues of uh episodes from over the years i guess it's run for a long time but what the show is is they take a child who was between the ages of like two and five maybe maybe two and four um and they send them on an errand (laughs) and someone narrates it and so yeah it's like the mom is like oh the electrician's coming today so i can't leave the house but i gotta make dinner we need eggs can you go to the can you go to the market and like pick up some eggs for us <laughs> and like the market is like you know three blocks away or something like that and then uh that's great and they'll be like oh and on the way back can you pick up my watch from the repair shop <laughs> and so we got like, side oh, we got, they got two errands they gotta run and so like they just leave the house and they're like walking down the street and everyone in the neighborhood like seems to know <laughs> that like this <laughs> child is running an errand because they're all out there like like cheering them on basically being like oh where are you going oh that's great, okay yeah. that's a that's a good that's a big responsibility <laughs> um yeah it's a really good show it's absolutely adorable um dude yeah check it out <laughs> nice. it's like kind of stressful sometimes because you're just like like obviously nothing's gonna happen to this kid there's like a fucking camera crew on like there's like cameras on every corner uh everyone is watching (laughs) this kid but uh it's it's stressful just to be like to know that this kid has a responsibility and they have like weight on their shoulders you know um i don't know that's a trippy concept (laughs) yeah i I wish they like I, i i feel like they can't even do it in the united states like yeah. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable sending it. Ch- I don't feel comfortable walking to the store. <laughs> like I'm a grown no, man for sure, for sure. Yeah, I feel that. I definitely feel that. Yeah, there's like a quirkiness to like media over there that like, yeah. Like when I was like going to the gym, like just watching Korean TV. There's just like uh, the like the, the way that they structure reality TV shows over there is just kind of trippy. Where it's like yeah, it's like hella whimsical and fun, and there's like this a, like a different feeling of like okay, yeah, there's no like danger it doesn't feel like like yeah like not in the same way of like with american tv you can just watch american tv it's like yeah it's just (laughs) they put violence in in danger on the screen so that's kind of how we fucking feel all the drama is heightened you know we want people screaming at each other um it's like the difference between the american hell's kitchen and the original it's like the original he's like trying to build good chefs (laughs) like (laughs) you know having patience and then here he's just fucking screaming calling people donkeys and shit um I am winding down in Elden Ring. I am. I think I only have like two or three more areas to explore. Um, nice. Uh, like, have you gotten past like the crazy hard bar- bosses towards the end? I, I, we just beat the Godskin duo last night. Have you oh, done okay. the Godskin duo? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I haven't finished 
whatever that place is called, Faramazula or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm kind of stuck around the end of that area. Okay. Yeah, I haven't figured out like where to go after that, so we'll see. But it's kind of sad. I uh, don't want it to end. But uh, yeah, I go back and forth between like I'm ready for this to end and where's the DLC. Um, yeah. And I feel like once this is once I finish this game, I'm probably gonna take a long break from playing anything. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm getting really close to the end, but like I, it might be my build. It might just be um, just the fact that I sometimes I, I tend to play kind of aggro and dumb i'll just call it out sometimes i kind of play dumb and so like it gets a little like you can't really do that in some of these like last bosses where you have to be really really precise yeah and like it's like it's it's been an incredible journey but yeah i'm just like i'm level 131 i'm like 100 hours in like i it's like i know the end is near but it's not that near so i'm just like okay Um, (laughs) i just have to did you do halic tree or halig tree or whatever yeah, like I got to Millennia, uh, can't beat her. Yeah, I cheesed her. Uh, I like gotcha. I summoned two guys, and we all all three of us were just casting swarms of flies at her, um, okay. and it just wore her down. Um, and then nice. they and now they nerfed uh, the swarm of flies like in this last update, so I can't <laughs> even do that anymore. God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> I can try it. I'm down to try it. <laughs> yeah, I'm down to go in. I mean, I've got to the second uh no i haven't gotten to the second phase but i've like fought a couple times where i figured like, i could get her at least half health down are you soloing her yeah i've yeah. just been soloing not even using a spirit summon um i use the mimic tier but okay. it i just don't think i was really putting in the effort to really like do the fight properly because i was like getting overwhelmed because i was like oh kind of go in here think i have an opening and then just get like completely wrecked yeah. Like a grab, yeah, like grab me, kill me one shot. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go to Crumbling Faramazula. But now I'm stuck at the Malekith because that form is just like insane. Oh, I haven't just, even seen like, them yet. Yeah, it's just, it's a good time. So yeah, I might need some reinforcements. I think that'll help. Because I think, yeah, Elden Ring for me is like, it's so great as a multiplayer game. When I play by myself, yeah. I tend to not have as much fun. With Millennia, I got the vibe that she wasn't much harder than Margit. It's just like okay, that obviously she's harder than market, <laughs> but yeah. like I feel like she's the same kind of boss in the sense where it's like you got to understand, you have to learn the move set, and the problem is the time between market and millennia for a lot of people is gonna be like seventy plus hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in that seventy plus hours, you kind of learn tactics that you rely on. Uh, you're not really being challenged. You're not being challenged to memorize move sets. Um, and so by the time you do reach that boss where you have to memorize their moveset, all your old tricks are no longer reliable. Um, yeah. yeah. So you're back at stage one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, like, the combat sort of goes in different little phases where like, you have that really uh, t- uh, not t- yeah, that really timid behavior in the beginning where it's like, okay, look, I, I'm going to get crushed by everything. I just need to really play it safe. And then you sort of get to that first like threshold where you can actually be more aggressive and then yeah, you get sort of in this, like, late game phase where it's like, I know I'm strong as fuck. There's things that I can walk up to and just smack around like like it's yeah. nothing. But then with these certain boss fights, like, yeah, with Malekith, there's a... Yeah, there's a, a sword that Malekith uses where if it hits you, it basically just... It 
uh, sorry, it lowers your maximum health and then just drains it at the same time. Oh, and so wow. it's just like, <laughs> you like even if you do heal and fix that, you ha- you can't go You're full limited. health after that. You, so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, just don't get hit. <laughs> just like, yeah, just like, don't get hit. That's like, the advice with millennia. It's like, yeah, just don't just get hit. <laughs> I'm just like, like, all right. <laughs> I think I might play some FIFA soon, but like, I'm down. Like, I just need I... to get the homies in. I just need to get re Get the crew I don't think I've played another game since starting Elden Ring. Aside no, from here, like, <laughs> I think I like uh, turned on the Super Nintendo and like play, fucked around on Super Nintendo for a little bit, but like I haven't like played anything seriously or I don't know. Yeah, like Elden Ring is just like all of my t- all of my free time. Yeah, it's the only disc that has been in my PlayStation yeah. <laughs> since. The yeah, the only game purchased. I've launched on the PlayStation. Yeah, or on the PC. I, I have not touched a PC game. Since Elden Ring. Mm. All right, is that it for this week's app? Yeah. So next week we're moving on to Jim Henson's The Great Muppet Caper. Mm. Looking forward to that. I don't think I've seen that one. Or maybe I have. Yeah, I either. Know. Yeah, musical heist comedy. That's gonna be a good time. Okay. I've heard some people say that this is the best one. I think. Hmm. <laughs> was that just Emily saying that? Maybe that was just Emily. <laughs> Because I think I've also heard Muppets Take Manhattan is really good. Muppets Take Manhattan is the only one that isn't on Disney Plus, which I think is interesting. Interesting, yeah. It's like all of the other ones are. Okay. All right, so yeah, stay tuned for next week. Great Muppet cool. Caper. So yeah, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, let us know. You can tweet at us at VagueZone, let us know what you're watching. Always down to have a conversation on there. Yeah, this has been episode 82 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. Just want to say happy 420. Hell yeah. Happy 420, Smoke everybody. Weed. Blaze up. We'll catch, we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah. That's it. <laughs>